Air Force veteran Max Alec, founder of the cybersecurity company Ignite Assurance Platform, is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Did you know that Navy Federal Credit Union offers digital tools and educational resources to help guide your financial decisions? Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Max Alec, Air Force veteran, CEO and founder of Ignite Assurance Platform. Max, welcome to the show. Before we get to talk about business and entrepreneurship, take us back. Tell us what you did in the Air Force. Yeah, Joe, thank you for having me. So I started my career in the Air Force as what's called a security forces member. Joined right after 9-11. Didn't really have much of a career trajectory. Uh, Before that, I had just recently moved to this country as a teenager from India and had a great mentor who was a chief in the Air Force at that time, Chief Irons. And he said, hey, you need to go serve. I said, all right, sir, what what do I do? Where do I go? And uh, I I didn't really have great ASVAB scores at that time, just fresh learning English. And uh, uh, I ended up being a a, a police officer as my initial start. That's what security forces Mm -hmm. does. And then um, essentially spent about four years in the Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan. Those are uh, some of my assignments. And when I was overseas, I learned, uh, you know, I was about 400, 200 to 300 miles away from where I was born. So uh, kind of cross-trained as a linguist. So I took the defense language proficiency test. And after that was used as kind of an interpreter slash linguist. So that was, that was fun. That was a job in the Air Force. I got back to the United States in 09 after spending about four years there. And then started working as a defense contractor. Uh, so that's kind of how I, you know, that's the background in Air Force. Uh, didn't really like the defense contractor world. It was very different from when I was used to. Still wanted to serve and essentially started this this company in 2012. All right, so, um, so your transition was, um, had a lot to do with the defense contract industry. What You just start working for some defense contractors and then, uh, you've also started a number of companies uh, before you eventually uh, got Ignite Assurance Platform going. So um, dive in a little bit to what your transition was like um, as far as some of the stumbling blocks you encountered and some of the misconceptions. Yeah, you know, uh, my transition, it was difficult. Uh, it was 09, and, and around that time, you know, there's a lot of folks with the recession and economy, the job market was very tight. So I actually had applied, because when you come out of the military as an enlisted guy or a gal, you don't really know your worth, and then also you don't really understand how your skills translate. I actually didn't know any of that because I had just come off of four-year-long, you know, or four years of deployments back-to-back, right? So. I, it's almost like I lived in my own, you know, bubble overseas. And so when I came back, I had difficulty. I had difficulty even communicating. I didn't know how to communicate to the civilians. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I was, uh, you know, generally I'm an extroverted kind of person, but that after the transition, I kind of 
for a little bit became an introvert because I didn't know how to fit in. I didn't know how to, uh, you know, how to communicate properly. And just, you know, I, I just felt odd being around different people. But I did go through this program. The military had a great program at that time. It's called a TAP program. I don't know if they have it. It's called Transition Assistance Program. Yeah. Um, so that that helped tremendously in at least setting up what a resume should look like, right? When applying for different jobs and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, so so that was you know that was a, a boon. That was fantastic. And then uh, I took that resume, applied for jobs everywhere. I applied for like things like McDonald's to rental car services. I even applied for jobs in Djibouti, Africa. And, you know, I'm like, well, I can carry a gun. Maybe I can go overseas yeah. and, and do the same thing. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I was praying, man, where, where do I go? What do I do? I was newly married. I was under stress and, and, um, you know, through, through all that somehow, right. Patterson air force base picked me up as a, uh, as a security officer, uh, doing cybersecurity. So that kind of launched me into, this whole new era, this whole new area of, uh, of cybersecurity. Now, where did the entrepreneurial bug come from? Had you always been an entrepreneur interested in entrepreneurship or did you, was it just kind of a natural progression after getting tired of the defense contracting? You know, uh, I would say that, you know, every, every, I don't know if this is true for every foreigner, but most foreigners that come to this country, right. They want to be somebody, right. <laughs> so you, you, you know, I'm from India and, and you talk to an Indian family, there's always a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, right? <laughs> I, I ended up in the military. Right? So, yep. <laughs> so if you, if you don't do those things, you usually try to go towards entrepreneurship. So I always had a entrepreneurial bug by my parents, you know, they, they've, mm-hmm. they've owned a few gas stations, they've done a few things, not very successful, but they always tried, right? That's what this country is about. You come here as nothing. And then you can become something if you just put the work into it. Mm -hmm. I always fundamentally understood that just didn't know how to achieve it. And, um, uh, the military just kind of helped with the, the rigor and the work ethic that's required, but, but the desire to build something of your own, it it really, I think uh, most foreigners that come here first generation, that's the idea. That's why they, I mean, that's why we come here. It's, it's, to me, it's still a great American dream. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's where a lot of uh, my sense of, Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur comes from. Yeah. I always love the American immigrant success story. Cause it, it's really the true essence of, of what America is all about. And I think oftentimes, like you said, most immigrants that come to the U S they want to make something of themselves and they know that the, the U S is, the best country to make that happen. And also you, you come from a different perspective too. You don't, you, you weren't, you weren't given it at birth. You know, you kind of had to get here and you, you've seen what it, what it's like in other parts of the world um, to give, helps just give you a greater appreciation for the opportunity. That's, you know, not guaranteed results, right? But, guar- but guaranteed opportunity that lays out in front of you. So always love hearing those great immigrant stories. So um, then we're going to take a quick break. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. We hope you're able to spend this holiday season with your loved ones. The military family knows more than anyone that we are not always able to spend the holidays together. And those of you that are serving away from your family this year know that we appreciate your sacrifice. As the holidays come to an end and we get back to work and those bills start arriving from all of our holiday shopping, remember that Navy Federal can help you get back on track. You can get a low intro APR on their platinum credit card. 
It's their lowest rate card, and it's a great tool to pay down debt. Navy Federal even has multiple savings and investment options to help you get closer to your financial goals. With Navy Federal, you can automate your savings and investing to put your money to work even as you sleep. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Message and data rates may apply. Savings products are insured by NCUA. Investment options are available through Navy Federal Investment Services and are not insured by NCUA. For listeners who served in or worked in the United States Marine Corps or have family or friends who might have, I wanted to notify you of an available resource. From 1953 to 1987, personnel assigned to Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune were potentially exposed to contaminated drinking water. The Marine Corps has since partnered with health agencies to conduct scientific studies to assess impacts from these potential exposures, and they are working to keep those Marines, their families, and civilian employees informed with updates and resources available to them. If you or someone you know may have been at Camp Lejeune during those years, please consider registering with the Camp Lejeune Historic Drinking Water Notification Database. You can learn more and register at marines.mil slash clwater. That's CL as in Charlie Lima. That's marines.mil slash clwater. All right, back talking with Air Force veteran Max Alec, CEO and founder of Ignite Assurance Platform. So, Max, at the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, Ignite Assurance Platform was not your your first idea. Matter of fact, it's about your your fourth product. So go back and talk to us about when you when you got that entrepreneurial bug and you first jumped in to creating your own business and talk about what success, failure, and pivoting is all about in the world of entrepreneurship. Yeah, so I started this whole journey, uh, you know, when I didn't have a job and I had to kind of go out there and hunt for on my own uh, around 2012 timeframe. So from 09 to 2012, still had full-time job where I had a W-2, but at 2012 didn't, didn't really have anything. So, uh, you know, back in those days, it wasn't like today where you can go raise a lot of money. I, I mean, you know, a foreigner coming in, going to, going to Middle East, and then all of a sudden as an enlisted guy, it's really hard to go raise money. Right. So I did what I mean, almost every foreigner does is just gets to work, rolls, roll up your sleeves and get to work. Right. So um, try different things, cold calls to where's my referral network that I didn't have to all sorts of different things. And and somehow I, I landed on one opportunity to the next working with small businesses and on also even the U.S. Air Force. That was my first big contract. Um, didn't, didn't really like it because it was all based on, uh, services. I couldn't scale it. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, if I have a product, I thought, man, maybe I can, I could just scale this thing, Joe, and, and this would work. So throughout that whole time from 2012 to, uh, you could say around 17 or maybe even closer to 2019, I had built one product after another. Uh, I had made enough money to recoup the loss but then reinvested all 100% of it into the next thing, into the next thing. Never achieved any kind of a massive scale where it would just go beyond just R&D and prototyping, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, I, uh, so yeah, I, I think I built a, what's called a source code analyzer. Uh, that, that was fantastic for software engineers. Uh, built another product to download uh, uh, trusted information off the internet and get it into the classified side. Um, all of those things were great ideas, 
but they weren't, they were products. They weren't a, they weren't an entire business. Right. So mm -hmm. a lot of lessons learned. And then eventually I stumbled on, on this concept of Ignite Assurance platform. Um, actually I would say through collaboration with a lot of other entrepreneurs, right. Uh, how are people buying this technology? Are they buying it as a technology or are they buying it as a tech enabled service? So we started to partner with other businesses where they provide the service component and we're just providing the technology, right? Cause it's really difficult to put the both together and, and afford it. And that's what I was missing. But that took me, took me seven years to learn that simple lesson, Joe. So it, entrepreneurship is all about fail, try, fail, try, fail, try until, you know, until you get to a place where, where it's working for you. Yeah. Um, so you, so go, go over that one last time because um, I want to, I want to emphasize that point. Like, sometimes people come up with these harebrained ideas about this is going to be a great business. And then they realize later on, there's not even any demand for that. And you never should have done that. And then there's, there's other great examples. I always use this. The guy who just mows yards, like grass is always going to grow. People are going to use their grass. And if you just do that really well, you can make money. Um, so you had several iterations of pivoting and, and success and failure. So just hit that one more time for me to make sure that point is emphasized. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you're right, Joe, there's a, it's a, I actually get tempted to start other businesses and do other things. <laughs> I got a lot of ideas. I'm an idea guy, yeah. but if there's no demand for it, there's no pull through, there's no market validation, you'll make some money, but you're not going to grow it as a business. Right. Mm. Um, because one thing we can count on at least compared to India and other places is that if you put in the work, you'll get what's, you know, you put in as much as you, you, you know, uh, you, you get out what, whatever you put in. Right. So if you're working on simple ideas, let's say mowing yards, you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to make some money, but it's a matter of, can you create enough demand in that market? Can you be different about how you mow the grass or whatever you're doing that they actually want to pay you above market rate, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to sell on value instead of price always. Mm -hmm. So that was a hard lesson for me. Um, I was so hyper-focused as a security uh, guy in the Air Force on building the best secure technology that I forgot about all of the business uh, business concepts. And I don't, I don't know how that happened, Joe, because I actually went to grad school and got an MBA and all that stuff. But but man, uh, that was cheaper than actually failing and learning because a lot of money got wasted uh, for the first seven years trying to just figure out simple things. Like you cannot produce a product that is not that has not been validated by market. If there's no demand for it, it doesn't matter how cool it is. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was a tough lesson. Took me, I'm a slow learner. Took me seven years to actually learn that and, and, and still I'm, I'm, uh, you know, applying some of those things in my business and refining the product. Yeah. I know back in my beginning days of entrepreneurship, it, it was never, I can remember, it was never obvious to me or I didn't even pay attention to whether there was any demand for what I was talking about doing. Um, it was either a great, it seemed like a great idea to me or it didn't, but there's a lot of great ideas that don't have that demand. And of course there's always the new, you know, the new cutting edge technology out there that may not seem like there's demand for it because it doesn't exist yet. But um, a lot of 
basic ideas. A lot of folks coming out of the military, they, they try to, they, they fall in love with their plan, just like mission planning. You know, you can't fall in love with your plan because things are going to change. It's so easy to fall in love with that plan or that newfangled idea and totally forget whether there's any demand for it. And basically what you're talking about is doing a, a, a market study, uh, market right. research, uh, how big is the market, that kind of thing. And, right. um, yeah, there's a, the number of large companies, some folks that have been on the show have worked for these companies like Johnson and Johnson, where they're trying to discover new products all the time. And there's, there, there can even be a really large demand for certain products, but they have a, they have a, a bottom, a bottom end threshold. If, if the market share is less than 40 million, then right. they don't want to touch it. Even though there's a lot, even though there's at least $40 million worth of demand for this new product that they're looking at, 40 million is not enough for them because they figure they can get maybe 10% of the market. So it's not, it's right. not enough volume, not, not, not enough demand for them. And so they prefer up around 80 or a hundred million at least uh, before they go into anything. Um, so they're, they're tossing aside great ideas all the time based off of there's just not enough market share for, uh, for them to make it worthwhile. So, um, so talk a little bit about the difference between being a tactical technician, which is kind of how you got started in the defense industry versus how that's different from actually being the business owner and running the business. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a blessing and, and sometimes it's not because though I'm a, I'm a CEO, we're, we're, we're still, you know, considered a small business. So I'm sometimes I still get my hands dirty on doing some of the fun cyber stuff, but really the, the burden is, is, you know, as a small business owner, you're always really thinking about your employees. And when you're a tactical kind of person, you don't really think about that. You really think about, uh, well, Hey, you know, when I have enough money, I'll just hire people to do the job. And, and that's a great feeling. That's a great milestone, but really when you get to that point, you start to think about, um, you know, how do I serve them better? Because a lot of times you end up hiring other veterans, you end up hiring other friends. Mm -hmm. And the last thing you want to do is hurt another family member, another, you know, cause when you take on an employee, you really don't just hire them. You really assign to take care of their family. So that's my biggest uh, worry sometimes is, am I going to have enough for tomorrow or for the next year so we can continue to grow? Um, I, I never thought I would, I would feel that uh, sort of difference in, in just executing the work versus managing it and doing the strategy part. So that's a, that's a big personal difference for me is, is now that when we hire veterans or when we hire anybody else, I think about them and I think about their family and what, what it's like for them to work with our company, uh, things like that. And the other, other big difference is, is the art and management of delegation, right? So as a tactician, you're always like, you know, if it's not done the way that I like it, I'm just going to take over and do it. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, one of my team members is, is coaching me right now. She's always saying, Susan, she's always saying, hey, it's not I anymore, Max. You've got a team. It's we, right? Uh, and, and one of the things that a tactician struggles with is how do you delegate properly and what is good enough, right? Good enough from a delivery standpoint, customer satisfaction standpoint, you can't chase perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And as a good mm -hmm. tactician and, and as a good uh, person who's just starting their own business, you're always chasing 
perfection. It's got to be done right to the satisfaction of the customer, but beyond that, right? So I had to get over that because sometimes uh, small businesses and even large businesses, they're not paying for over-engineering a lot, of, lot more quality than they actually signed up for. And so those are the big differences between executing as, as you know, kind of a, a guy or a gal on the ground and then working at, at a different level is you think about your people and you think about how to delegate uh, delegate work properly, enable, kind of move out of their way. Uh, and so they can, you know, so they can perform. And over time, they actually get a lot better than, than I ever could. So that's kind of where we are today is my team can actually execute a lot better than I ever would. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the transition that had happened for me about two years ago. Uh, so it's a pretty still a recent feeling for me mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, it was only two years ago when I, when I really didn't have a big, big team. And now we're starting to, uh, where I'm starting to get to a point where uh, business is flowing, money is flowing, and I don't even know how it's flowing. I, I, I don't touch the work that's coming in, and, and, and that's very recent for us. Yeah, that's a good, good place to be in. So uh, talk a little bit about Ignite Assurance Platform and what exactly you guys do. Sure, sure. So Ignite kind of came out of a, a need for chief security officers, legal officers, uh, and CFOs that are usually working together to kind of comply with heavy burden of regulations that are related to cybersecurity and somehow connecting those down to what the reality is, right? So think of it almost like a balance sheet. Uh, if you have a balance sheet, but none of your credit card are, are reconciled and, and are accounted for on a balance sheet, it's a problem. So what, what a lot of the chief security officers and, and the CFOs and legal officers are struggling with is we can write the law, we can write the policy, the procedure, we can say we're compliant, but how do we connect that to what's really happening on the network? We wanted to solve that problem. And we believe that the, uh, that the way to solve that problem is through linguistics because we have lots of different regulations. So each and every vertical, you go to DOD, they have something called a CMMC, Cybersecurity Maturity Framework. You go to uh, financial industry, they have payment card uh, data security standard. You go to healthcare, you have the HIPAA law. All of these things are essentially saying the same thing when it comes to managing computing environments, but they're saying it in a different way. So uh, kind of pull this idea from my past uh, as a as kind of a translator in the Middle East, that's essentially what I was doing is translating between, uh, let's say, Urdu and, and English or Hindi and English uh, uh, and, and getting people on the same page through through translation. Um, so we do that with cybersecurity. We do that through regulatory management. We do that through intent analysis and we connect all of that information uh, down to actual tactics of what's happening on the network. So. Uh, a lot of legal officers find it valuable. A lot of cybersecurity folks find it valuable uh, as, as well as the DOD themselves. So there's a whole new market out there for, uh, we call it technocrats, people who can write policy, but also do, do technology. Uh, and uh, that's how we kind of came up with the idea. And that's what Ignite Assurance Platform does. I'm not sure I understand all that in detail, but um, some of what you're talking about has to do with in the last year or so recent increased uh, DOD uh, cybersecurity requirements. And for the, for the 
big for the big contractors, the the really big defense contractors, some of those increased requirements are not a big deal. But all these requirements also get pushed down to the subcontractors and the sub 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 subcontractors. You get down to a, a small, a very small veteran owned business that doesn't have that kind of depth to implement uh, large security requirements. Um, your your platform's helping out with some of that at the same time, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of other business owners that are actually veterans. Um, they're you got a couple of pilots and, you know, they're in, hyper intelligent people, but when it comes to cyber, it's a big challenge for them. And uh, this new regulation you're talking about, it's actually called the CMMC mm-hmm. cybersecurity maturity model. There's another one that came out uh, 10 years ago called FedRAMP, but that was for larger companies, but the same concept, which is, you know, uh, you make a law and, and now the primes have to do it. The subprimes have to do it. And all the way down to the, the person that's maybe a one man shop, one person shop, they have to get certified as well. Mm-hmm. So we, we help out those types of individuals quite a bit. Uh, actually, I, I not only help them out, but we partner together on different, different deals. Cause if I look at my business and their, their business, we're, we're pretty much alike. I just happen to know cyber they might know another field. Um, but then also a lot of the primes, uh, they're having trouble in finding suppliers that want to do that kind of work. Right. And so now when you increase the market uh, barrier, there's a lot of people that are just like, why do I want to work with the DOD? Mm-hmm. Right. If, if I'm just mowing yards on a base and the base plans are considered sensitive to whatever degree, why can't I just go mow my yard somewhere else? And I don't have to comply with those things. Right. right. So, so yeah, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, barriers to entry that get, that get created and we try to be efficient about it. We help people with grants. I've helped uh, business owners with different loans on, on what I have done as well. Um, so, so yeah, we help them out in mainly in cyber, but when it comes to small businesses, we kind of go beyond that and, and say, Hey, well, where you're struggling in your business because you're surely not going to pay us if your whole business is struggling. Right. So how do we, how do we help you? Yeah. So who, who, who is your ideal customer? What, what is it a certain size business working in DOD contracting? Who who is your target audience? Ideally for us, it would be more of the, we call them tier two uh, subcontractors. So anybody that's working for, a Raytheon, right. Mm-hmm. Or a Booz Allen, right. Um, those kinds of companies, you know, usually, uh, they are in, in DOD for the long haul. They're, they're not going to walk away from the business. Right. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's thinking about walking away, um, you, you know, that means they got enough diversity and revenue where they can make that choice. A lot of folks that are in tier two and even some of the larger tier one, uh, primes, those are, ideal candidates for us, for, mm-hmm. for some of the stuff we do. Um, the other kind of uh, companies that we serve are pure play tech companies. There's a lot of innovative technology companies that are ran by uh, uh, entrepreneurs that were veterans. Um, any kind of technology company, if the DOD wants to use that technology company, it's got to be credentialed. It's got to be certified. Uh, you know, there's clearance requirements. There's all sorts of security requirements to use a, 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 a product, a, a security product or non-security product or a software product on the classified side. You can't just say, Hey, here's my Google email 
and use that whole thing on, on the classified side. So any tech company that's looking to get into the government, that's working with the government and trying to figure out how to break into the government, those are usually great candidates for us, regardless of the size. Awesome. Well, um, we are getting close to the end of our time, Max. Um, I do want to give you the last word before we do that. Uh, how, how is it we find Ignite Assurance Platform if somebody's interested in your services? Yeah, just go out to Ignite Assurance or igniteplatform.com or, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm actually pretty active on LinkedIn and, and um, I, can, I can connect with you with some of our team members. So absolutely. Awesome. Sounds great. And so if you're talking to somebody in the military, somebody on their way out, a uh, veteran recently got out, a military spouse is looking to start their own business, what kind of advice comes to mind? To me, the number one important thing is carry your military values forward. So in, in the Air Force, it was all about service before self, integrity first, excellence in all we do. That was our Air Force core values. I know that kind of sounds cheesy, but when you're looking to start a business, you, you know, a lot of people say, I want to start a business so I can make a lot of money. But that's not really what it's about. It's really about figuring out a way to serve others mm-hmm. so that they want to spend money with you. That's a, that's an after, uh, that's a byproduct of serving others. I think if you, if you have that sort of mindset, a servant's heart, you've already, uh, been through the ringer with the, with the military and you have the work ethic, you combine those two things in America, you're going to be successful, right? So I would say that is what has, kept me going even after so many failures. Right. So uh, I I would say always be looking to serve and help others. And and if you do that in a good way with, with, uh, with right intentions, your service may not be good. Your product may not be good, but they'll call you back and say, I want to help you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm actually here because there's a lot of other people that have helped me along my journey. It wasn't because Max is great. It's because, Hey, I helped them. And then years later I get phone calls like Max, what are you doing? I, I hear you're doing this, 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 how can I help you? So that would be my, my biggest advice to some of the new entrepreneurs and veterans that are coming out. Awesome. Well, Hey Max, um, w- one last question. I always like asking this, you know, when entrepreneurs are far enough down the road, you consider, do you consider yourself unemployable now that you've become a successful entrepreneur? Um, no, I, I, you know, it's, this is America. You can become rich and poor the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Good way of looking at it. But you know, like, uh, could you ever imagine yourself going back to work for someone else? Um, I would have a hard time adjusting culturally. I'll tell you that. So, uh, (laughs) it's really difficult to, I actually, my wife asked me about that a lot. Like, Hey, what would it be if you just got an eight to five? (laughs) <laughs> you know, what, what would that be like? Cause you know, the entrepreneur life seems all great on the outside, but sometimes inside it's quite lonely and the journey is arduous and difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you, as you're working through this and, and uh, building your business, it's really hard to go back to a corporate environment. It, it's just, it's just difficult. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I've never done it. So what do you suppose I, you know, that I don't, is I don't, like, just, what do you suppose it is? Like, uh, you think it's the, you think it's the mindset of like, once you've crossed over to the mindset of the entrepreneur, it's hard to go back to the mindset of the employee. Cause we talk about this all the time. It's, I, I don't think it's the employee and, 
you know, boss relationship. Cause we all got to work for somebody, right? Sure. I've got customers that if they call me, I, I will pick up and I will work for them all night. So it's right. not that it's more of the, the ability to innovate and think freely about a problem. If you take that away from uh, somebody who's an entrepreneur, they're always going to feel like they, they don't really belong here because entrepreneurship gives you that sort of mindset and trains your brain to always think way outside the box, solve problems, do it efficiently. And when you get to a corporate environment, maybe you can do that, but maybe you have to follow internal policies and procedures that are inefficient. I think a lot of large organizations are struggling with that because they don't know how to uh, build innovation centers. They're trying, but I think that's the hardest thing for an entrepreneur. It's not answering to the boss because we all have bosses. Let's, let's be real here. It doesn't matter if you own a huge business, you've got to answer to somebody, the board or your customers or somebody, but it's more of, you know, I, I can't execute in the way that my brain functions now. Right? I, I've got to fit into five-step process when I could get the job done in two steps. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's what it is. At least that's what it is for me. It could be different for everybody yeah. else, but that's what I think about, man, if I had to go back and work within the, you know, some of the larger companies that, that we actually serve. And I actually tell that to my customers, like, Hey, I don't live in your house. So it's easy for me to empathize with you, you know, just hang on, right. Just mm -hmm. hang on. We're trying to make it better for you. But I think that's what it would be for me. Man. Yeah. That's uh, very insightful. I think you're, I think you're definitely uh, spot on with that one. So never heard it put that way, but that's exactly right. So, all right, Max. Well, Thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial success story. Um, we look forward to seeing your future success and uh, keep up the good work and maybe we'll have you back on the show in the future. Absolutely, Joe. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right, Max. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.